Good morning. It's good to be together with you to worship in the Word of God this morning. Um, And before we move any further, let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Gracious Father, Lord, we are absolutely dependent upon You. We need You, Father, for every move we make. We need You, Father, for every step we take. We need You, Father, to be our all in all. Help us, Lord, trust You. God, right now I trust that you will take us to your living and enduring word, Jesus Christ, as he is seen in the written word. And Lord, I pray that you will, Lord, enable me to, Lord, teach your truth. I pray, Father, for those who have gathered here this morning that, Father... Lord, you would open hearts to receive your truth. God, as we look at a text in John 8 today, Father, that, Lord, exalts Jesus to the highest place, I pray that, Father, all of us who know him, God, would be just in awe of our God and our Savior. And, Lord, I pray that anyone who... Lord, is not spiritually alive. They're lost, whether they're here or whether they hear this. God, uh, ultimately on podcasts, I just pray, Father, that you would cause them, Lord, to be born again and to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, you can take your copy of God's Word and you can turn again to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, We will read in a moment our text. Uh, But John's Gospel, chapter number 8, in just a moment we'll settle in verses 47 down through 59. Uh, But having been in John 8 last week and having been in those verses in which Jesus is informing the religious elite of his day that their father is not God, their father is the devil, uh, it rattled their cages so, and I, I just could not escape the flow of what was going on in that text. So I, we just had to go on to the next section in John 8. And uh, it's, it's just, it's burning. This is one of my favorite passages in the Gospel of John. This is one of my favorite. Matter of fact, it, it is as far as the disclosure of the person and work of Jesus. It is probably one of the, the most favorite because it exalts Jesus to the highest place 
the place in which he belongs. It tells us who he is. When, when I read the section that we're going to read here in just a moment, there is a burning in my bones that longs to show what separates Jesus Christ from every other religious figure in the world. Because I want you to know, Jesus was not just a good man. Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was not just a great teacher. Jesus was so much more than that. And so my prayer for you as your pastor this morning is that we as believers, as we go to this place, that we'll just treasure Jesus all the more. That when you look at this, when you see revelation like this, it ought to make your heart go, wow. You may not say it like I do, but it ought to make your heart just go, wow. This is who Jesus is. It ought to um, help us to take greater joy in our Lord and our Savior. And then, as always... Any lost sinner among us, I pray they'll have the coverings over their eyes removed and they'll behold the beauty of the gospel and glory of Jesus Christ. So our journey this morning, John chapter 8, beginning in verse 47. If you would like to stand for the reading of God's word, I invite you to do so. John chapter 8. Beginning in verse 47. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father who... And you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. <laughs> the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Why do you make, who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him i would be a liar like you but i do know him and i keep his word your father abraham rejoiced that he would see my day he saw it and was glad so the jews said to him you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen abraham Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself 
and went out of the temple. This is God's word. You may be seated. In the verses that we just read, Jesus looked right, I believe, into the eyes of these men. Men who studied and taught the Old Testament Word of God. And He looked at them and He basically said, Guys, you don't belong to the God you teach. You belong to your daddy, the devil. And oh my, I imagine this did not set well as we can see from our text. They were antagonized by the words of Jesus. And so what do they do? They do what any body probably would do when they have been um, shell-shocked by something they hear that's personal. It's, it's, they perceive it as a personal attack. So what do they do? They go on the attack. And they say to Jesus, as we read, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Basically saying, Jesus, you're the one that's not a true Jew. Jesus, you're a half-breed. Jesus, which is not true, by the way. Jesus, you're the one. You got the devil. Well, Jesus does not back down. Jesus does not placate. Jesus does not begin to, uh, you know, iron over the harshness and the severity of what he just said. Jesus just keeps right on plugging along, keeps right on telling them the truth, keeps right on saying and doing what the Father would have him do, his will. And what Jesus tells them is, as we read, he said, if you keep my word, you will never taste death. Now, when he said that, he was not referring to physical death, but they couldn't see it. They have not the Spirit of God. And they could not see what he was saying. And so it rattles their religious cages all the more. And so they began to go on the attack again, saying, you know, Jesus, now we know it's true. You just confirm for us, Jesus, you have a demon. You just confirm this for, are you saying that you're greater than our father Abraham who died or the prophets who died? Jesus, just who do you think you are? Well, what Jesus says next is so radical, so off the charts that the immediate knee-jerk reaction of the Pharisees was to pick up stones, and I'm not talking about little pebbles to put a knot on your head, to pick up these huge rocks, these huge stones with the intent to kill him. Because they, in their twisted mind, he just blasphemed with what he said. What did Jesus say? This is... One of my all-time favorite statements by Jesus. He makes a simple statement. He, He uses a singular form of the verb to be. What does He say? Jesus said before Abraham was, He said this, I am. Wow. Those students of the Old Testament Scriptures knew exactly what He was saying. 
They knew exactly the significance of what Jesus was saying with that comment, I am. Because Jesus just put himself on the same level playing field, the same plane as the great I am whom they knew from Exodus chapter number 3. You remember Exodus chapter 3. There was a conversation that took place between the Most High God, El Elyon, and Moses. Appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Wanted Moses to go and be his spokesman to his people. And Moses, was, he stuttered, remember? He could, he would, I can't. I can't do that. Who, 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 do I, who do I say sent me? And so, you know, I don't know if Moses really had a starting problem or if he was just scared out of his mind in that moment. But he felt inadequate for the purpose there before him. And he asked the question, well, who will I say sends me? And the response of God is quite significant. Let me just read to you from the book of Exodus, chapter number 3. It said, Then Moses said to God, I'm reading in verse 13, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Then God, that is Elohim, said to Moses, Moshe, I am that I am. Eye, Asher, Eye. <laughs> That's significant. He said, say to this people, the people of Israel, I am sent you, sent me to, to you. Wow. The minute Jesus made this statement, before Abraham was, I am. They knew exactly what he was saying. They knew exactly the significance of what he was saying. You see, in the Hebrew, that statement, aye, I am is aye. Now, it's a common verb, singular verb. I mean, it would be used in everyday language. I am, you know, walking down the road or I am... Um, drinking a cup of water. But whenever you find the verb to be here in the Hebrew as a stand-alone statement, not being connected to anything else, it is a significant self-disclosure that is mind-boggling in what it means. And I'll draw you back to that here in just a minute. But this is it. And a matter of fact, that, that verb, that common verb, is actually etymologically is the, the roots to what has developed as we have as the personal name of God, Yahweh. Or as some people say, and it's a German mistransliteration of it, Jehovah. <laughs> they knew exactly what he was saying. You see, I am gives weight to everything Jesus was saying, to his words, 
You see, because Jesus is the I am of Exodus 3, He is the way, the truth, the life. Because He is the I am of Exodus 3, He is the door for the sheep. Because He is the I Am of Exodus 3, He is the Good Shepherd. For I am the Good Shepherd. He, because He is the I Am of Genesis chapter, Exodus chapter 3, He can say, I am the resurrection and the life. Because He is the I Am of Exodus chapter 3, He can say, I am the vine and you are the branches. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Because He is the I Am of Exodus chapter 3, He can say, I am the light of the world. And whosoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life because he is the I am of Exodus chapter 3 he can say I am the bread of life my friends this is amazing now this morning what I want to do is just simply zero in on that statement or uh, that singular standalone verb to be, I am. And I want you to just consider the implications of that, what that's saying about our God and our Savior. Because they are one and the same. Now I know that gets hard for us to wrap our minds around because Jesus was fully human, okay? But yet, before He was a man, He was fully God. And God the Son has always existed in the person of Elohim, God, which is, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, you do not have to figure all that out. But just know, Jesus is great, and He is the great I Am. Consequently, I titled this section, The Great I Am. Now, what does this tell us about our God and our Savior? There are four implications that I would give you. These are always, this does not change. Okay, And the first one is this, is that when Jesus says, I am, He is telling us. And when God says, I am, because they are the same. When they say, I am, when the Father and the Son say, I am, He tells us that He is the self-sufficient, self-existing One. Now, Again, when Aye, going back to the Hebrew, is just a standalone I am, it carries with it great significance. It is the ultimate disclosure of self sufficiency and self existing. It is of total self support. In other words, The one who is I am needs nothing else. He is all he needs. 
I am that I am, not I am because of something else. The reason I am is because I am. The reason you are is because He is. <laughs> okay? But He is not because of another. He is because of His self. He is. He is. Nothing, when He says I am, He's saying, guys, nothing caused me to be. Nothing. I am. Okay? I am. Nothing created me. I am. Nothing sustains me. I am. I am. Now you've heard it, and I've brought it up before, but you've heard the question that sometimes people will ask. Typically, a small child will ask this sometimes, but when you talk about God, they'll say, well, who created God? Have you ever heard that, that question? Who created God? And what people don't realize, and I'll speak to this a little bit more in, in, when we get to another implication of I am, but what people don't realize is that, again, is one of those self-contradictory questions. Okay, it, it's, it, it, it's like asking, what is the smell of three? Or it's like asking, what is the, uh, you know, the number of red? I mean, just, that's not a logical comparison. You, you see what I'm saying? You, you can't ask what the color, that's just not, you can't, you can't ask who created God. God is. God is. God is. He is the self-existing one. Uh, and, and he is, he is because he is, because he is the self-existing one, he, and he sustains himself, th then for us, he can, he's able to do beyond what we think or imagine. I mean, think about it. Because he is the great I am. Second implication. He is the eternal one or the everlasting one. I am that I am implies that I always was and I always will be. I am that I am is really the ultimate response to who created God. <laughs> he is eternal. And, and when we think of eternity, we think of eternity as starting now and going on forever. I think I've talked with you about this, this aspect before. Starting now and going on forever. But that's not eternal. Okay? Yes, you're going on forward, but you had a beginning. That's not truly eternal. True, that which is truly e eternal is infinitely future and infinitely past. It had no beginning and it has no ending. You know, that's one of the great debates today is did the universe have a beginning? Uh, you know, you've got those that will talk about a, 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 a big bang. You've got those that talk about all kinds of different things. And then you've got those that, that some are coming to, to deal with and wrestle with the idea of an eternal state. It's, 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 
But it, it, it's something that is infinite both ways. Can, can you wrap your mind around that? No. Because we're finite. We're finite beings and finite creatures. But Nehemiah 9.5 lets us know something about God and how He is truly eternal because it actually gives, I think, a good working definition of what is meant by the true term eternal. And that is, it says that the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. In other words, He always was and He always will be. Because He always was and He always will be, He never had a beginning. We can't fathom that and He'll never have an ending. And it's almost hard for us to fathom that. He is. I am that I am. Aye, asha, aye, as it is. That He is who He is. He will be who He will be. And he needs no other. For he is Yahweh. And apart from him, there is no God. Wow. Well, third implication of I am is that he is the unchanging one. He is the unchanging one. I am that I am. I am and I change not. I am. I, I, I am. He is the one constant in all of reality. He does not change. He was, He is, and He shall be. And there is no James 1 in verse 17, there is no shadow of turning. There is no variation in his being. He is. He is. He is. People may change. Circumstances may change. But God doesn't. And because God does not change, when God says something in his word... You can take it to the bank. You can trust Him with it. You can trust Him with it. He is trustworthy. Because he's, he's, he's not always changing. You say, well, what about, does God change His mind? In our simple thoughts, we would say He does. We, we, we're tempted to say that with certain things we read in the Old Testament, like where God... The Bible talks about how God was grieved or repented that he had made man. You, you remember that in Genesis when we read that, it's not so much that God has changed. What changed? It was men. God is an eternal constant. And when men sin, God will always be wrathful. Does that make sense? It's not like God all of a sudden said, I'm going to be loving here and wrathful here. It's not like he changed his demeanor. He is all of who he is at all times. And people, based on who they are, puts us in line with what reality of God we're experiencing. But my God, the God of the Bible, he does not change his mind. How, why would he change his mind? He knew from the beginning what he was going to do. It was always his plan. The fall in Scripture, the fall in the Garden of Eden, man's sin, that didn't surprise God. He knew from the beginning. He worked it in His plan and His purpose to accomplish His goal. 
You say, well, I don't understand why it had to be that way. Guess what? You're not God. You're not God. He is. So, He is the unchanging one. A fourth implication of I am that I am is that He will be who you need, all you need, right when you need Him. For your good and for His glory. You see, when all Moses could see, going back to Exodus 3, was his inability and his inadequacy and his weaknesses... God tells him, I am. I, I am. I am. I, 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 I've got you. When you face your greatest need, believer, your greatest need is, I am that I am. When you need a provider, he is Jehovah Rophe. He's Jehovah Jireh, excuse me. When you need a healer, he is Jehovah Rophe. When you, when you, when you need um, him to battle your battles for you, he is Jehovah Sabaoth, the captain of the Lord's army. When you need to be reassured, he has all things. He is El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth, and he is there for you to trust him in the midst of it. You say, well, how come if? He'll be my healer when I need healing. He doesn't always heal. Well, here's the thing. I said he will be what you need when you need it. And sometimes people need to suffer. Oh, that doesn't go over well. It's part of his plan. You will be healed, ultimately. It's, 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 it's part of the, the gospel in the sense that you will one day stand before him and you will have a new body and it will have no sin nor disease in it. And that is the fulfillment of his accomplishments on Calvary's cross. But he doesn't always give you a taste of that right now. He is what you need when you need it. And if you need that healing right then, he will bring you to a place of healing you from things that doctors say can't be healed of. And he will do a miracle and he'll glorify his name and it'll be good for you. But sometimes there's suffering and sickness that's working a sanctifying work to bring God glory and to work good for you. So please understand what I mean when I say he will be what you need when you need him to be it. Well, Jesus was standing there in John 8 before those religious devils. And he told them, this God that you're claiming is your father, I am he, <laughs> and I don't know you. Wow. Guys, my question to you is do you know the great I am? Do you know him? Do you rest in him? Do you have a saving relationship with him? I know that in my walk with Christ, my journey with the Lord, 
that when Christ became real in my life, one of the things that just like the lights went off to me is the Jesus I had been taught about in Sunday school and the Jesus that I had been taught about in vacation Bible school and the Jesus that I'd always heard. It's like all of a sudden I saw him in a brand new light. And I saw that this Jesus was, he's, he's God, come in human flesh. But that blew me away. Wow, that was one of my passions as a young believer to search the scriptures and find places that confirm the deity of Christ. That was one of my passions because it so wowed me that I would talk with people like Jehovah's Witnesses who want to say that Jesus is less than Jehovah. And I would engage in conversations with because it thrilled my heart. This thing, I felt like I had discovered something I had never seen, though I had read the Bible, had the Bible talked to me, heard the word preached, but all of a sudden, boom, the light went off. And that excited my soul. Do you see him as he is in his exalted state? For there is one God, and his name, his personal name in the Hebrew is Yahweh. He has made himself known in the second person of the Godhead, Yahshua, Jesus, the Son. He is Father. He is Son. He is Holy Spirit. He is God. There is none like Him. Do you know Him today? I'm going to ask every head to be bowed.